Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Somebody said, America's suffering from the boiling frog syndrome. The idea is that if the frog is suddenly put into boiling water, it'll jump out. But if the frog is put into lukewarm water, which then is brought to a boil slowly, it will not see the danger until it's cooked to death. In other words, small, gradual, hard-to-detect changes accepted by a tolerant majority can eventually destroy a nation with great ideas. Is America, is our economy, is our stock market, is our real estate potentially at risk of the boiling frog syndrome. What's going on, guys? Welcome back into another episode of Money Moves. Your host, Mattie A, co-host, Mr. Ryan Breedwell. What's up? What's up? We cover all things stocks, real estate, investing, and personal finance to help you on your wealth building journey. If you are new to the show, welcome. welcome. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And if you enjoy anything that we share or cover in the show, all we ask, share it with somebody else you think you get some value from it. Take two minutes, head over to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to this show on, and drop a review. It means the world to us. And of course, don't forget to take advantage of the two free offerings that we offer our Millionaire Mindcast fam for those that want a financial portfolio review from Ryan and his amazing financial team. You can text the word X-ray to 844-447-1555. If you're an accredited investor, you want to get on my deals list, look at other passive income opportunities, you can text the word deals to that same phone number, 844-447-1555. Of course, we got all the links, resources, show notes, products, all kinds of cool stuff for you guys over at millionairemindcast.com. Mm -hmm. So don't forget to go ahead and check that out. That being said, we got a great show for you guys today. We might be seeing some signs of slowing in the market. This is exactly what the Fed is hoping for. We're going to talk a little bit more about the data there. We've got some new real estate records being set mm. and some not in a good way. Yeah. We'll talk more about that. We've got some major wars happening between Twitter and oh, Meta. I know. And some interesting uh, background and thoughts there. Of course, we have... Uh, some info on Mr. Breedwell might catch his first L of the year. Oh. We'll be talking about 
the Self. federal rate. I feel and like I'm <laughs> going to be like, it's more honorable to kill yourself than be killed by your enemy. Whether or not uh, we're going to be seeing a rate jump and the probabilities there. And we got some uh, some real estate updates for you guys as well. And I figured we'd uh, there was one interesting little thread that I liked. I've been focusing a lot around teaching my kids about money. And since we like to teach and talk about money on here, uh, thinking about generational wealth and teaching your kids about these important financial topics, I saw a really cool, simple thread with 11 important financial topics to discuss with your kids. So I'll drop that at the end of the episode today. But Mr. Breedwell, what are we seeing in the stock market right now? Overall, it seems like things are relatively ripping. pretty good. Yeah, um, there's always going to be little pullbacks when the market kind of goes up a lot. It's going to cool itself off and kind of go up and then cool itself off and go up and cool itself off. But the main thing we're seeing, I think, is a rotation right now. Uh, Tech's been running pretty hard all year. Um, we saw a rotation two years ago out of uh, value, excuse me, out of tech into value. And I think what we saw at the beginning of this year was a rotation out of value back into tech. Uh, the Qs, uh, Invesco QQQ, which is an ETF that tracks the NASDAQ very closely, um, is up over 30% this year. So that is indicative that those stocks have been on a pretty good run. Those are, that's really being held by like Meta, NVIDIA, Microsoft, um, Palo Alto Networks, a few other names like that. Um, what we're seeing is some more breadth starting to, there's more participation in the market. We had a rebound in financials and in energy today. Um, earnings from big banks is later this week. I'm not exactly sure what will come out there, but it's looking like it's a lot better than it was uh, two months ago and even four months ago. The market's really shrugging off the, looks like, inevitable uh, rate hike that's around the corner um, here in two weeks and really looking more towards earnings. And I think we talked about this like three or four years ago on the show where the earnings is what drives the, the stock market ultimately because if people don't buy items and goods, companies don't make money and then their stock price doesn't go up. So yep. that's the basis, that's the root of it. Um, I think I mentioned to you a few minutes ago, but analysts have just, re, you know, like last week revised their overall earnings estimates down another 7%. So it's almost like a home run hit for a lot of these companies because they're going to already be in the green with the prior estimates. Now they're going to be way above estimates with the new revisions that have been put down. Um, so I anticipate th- uh, this week and next week, um, another really good run up, probably a, a good 70 to 115 points on the S&P. We should break through that 4,500 barrier, which was the first resistance level that I had tweeted about a few weeks ago. And then I'm kind of looking in the 4760, 4800 range on the S&P for the next resistance to break through. And then I think once those two hurdles are covered, it's going to kind of be off to the races. That should be enough to convince 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 um, investors to take their money off the sidelines, institutional and retail. Um, lots of money still in money market funds. I have clients in money market funds still. Just kind of sitting um, patient, still not feeling yields super are, confident. Yields are, yields are higher. Um, it's just a good place for cash. I mean, if your banks are still not paying a lot mm-hmm. um, on on money, which which is indicative to, to show you how their experience is, they still are scraping profits off of deposits. Um, 
So there's not a lot of new money coming into banks right now because lo- loans are not going out. Right. So that that seesaw is kind of at a standstill right now. Um, I'm more excited to see other areas of the market. I'd like to see industrials. It's really what I'm looking for, start to play a little bit more because industrials are purely cyclical. Um, and I feel like if industrials start to play a little bit better with the other areas of the market, kind of everything will jump in. Today we saw that. We saw, like I said, energy rebound, financials rebound, um, and just a lot of good stuff going on in the market. We had uh, revisions upgraded for certain companies for the second half of the year. DraftKings up like 140% this year. They said they think they're going to finally be profitable in Q3, Q4 of this year. I don't hear any... I'm I'm going to catch an L today, but I'm catching a W on recession canceled. Um, <laughs> I just don't see a recession happening. And there's just too much, there's just simply too much consumer spending and consumer confidence in the market right now. I, I think no matter what the technicals say, a lot of the times I've tracked technicals, people get too caught up in them. They're good as a parameter to get a feel for what's going on, but consumers are spending. There's still a lot of pent-up demand from COVID, as crazy as that is, and that's probably going to hold steam for another two to three years. Um, and people are traveling. Go try to buy some tickets right now. Go try to book a hotel, go to a concert, full, full, full. Yeah, I mean, uh, hot- as of this last week, hotel occupancy data came out, and it's up, I think, year over year, 4.7%, something like that. Yeah, I was going to say, it's so going to be up it's, almost 10%. Yeah, it's 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 up for sure. Um, you know, people are still, like you said, traveling, spending money, and I think that's a good thing for the economy. It's kind of like tight roping a little bit, right? The Fed wants things to slow down, but not too much. Yeah, it's never a bad thing for people to spend money, though. And so this last week, Federal Reserve's John Williams said that the Fed is not done raising its short-term rate target. It sounds like from last week to this week, the probability of that rate hike happening again. It went down by 60 basis points. I'd like to point that out. Oh, okay. So from 93 to 92. 93 to 92. Or yeah. But um, Uh, it sounds like even with, you know, the number of job openings decreasing uh, this last month to 9.8 million on the last business day of May, uh, this is per the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported, you know, there is still a healthy, sounds like, heartbeat to the U.S. economy. But some of the things that were getting a little frothy, a little out of control, and a little out of reach for the Fed are starting to slowly fall back in line. Yes, and I still think they could afford a pause. And I think a pause would be fine. And that is actually the consensus from the majority of CEOs and executives and economists as well. But And one Fed chair, I think the Chicago Fed um, chair has that opinion as well. But it's just not the, it's not the majority. And that's why we have this kind of checks and balances. Is it right? I don't think so to raise another quarter of a percent. I just don't think it's necessary. Is it wrong? Maybe not. But is it the best? I don't. Th- I just don't think so. Um, I really, I really was thinking we would get enough good data. But when what really put the nail in the coffin was last week's uh, jobs report. It was too hot, and I know that that's not to me a big deal because um, it's going to be uh, adjusted. A lot of those are seasonal jobs, so unfortunately, those get into the report. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I, I, I'm, I don't know if we'll get two hikes. I'm hoping we won't. I think one and maybe done. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think we could just pause and hold. I don't, I don't think a rate hike is necessary because what is it going to do? I, to, to me, I just, that's what I, I take a step back and I say, what is a quarter of a percent really going to do? In the grand scheme of things, not much. It's just going to continue to raise rates. It, it, a quarter of a percent isn't going to do anything. Because if a quarter percent did something, we wouldn't have to go down to zero interest rates like in 2008. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's four times that yeah. back where we were. So I, that's my argument on the case. Unfortunately, I'll have to rest my hat on the catching an L on this prediction because it does, uh, you know, I told you we'd have to get a print on CPI core tomorrow down like 2 to 3% negative. It'd have to be negative two or three percent, and that may flip the Fed futures. Yeah, I still wouldn't be surprised. I said, "Nope, fuck it, we're hiking." Um, but we'll find out in two weeks. I'm pretty sure they're they're probably going to hike, and they're probably going to then consider pausing again, uh, given the data and how it comes in. But if we get another, just like they did on this one, and if we get one little thing, it's going to be like the camel, that, or the straw that broke the camel's back type deal. Yeah. So we walking on Fabergé eggs a little bit here, but uh, the market's resilient. I don't. It's. It, I was worried that the market would care a lot more than it did. Also, so not only was I wrong on thinking that they weren't going to hike by this quarter of percent that they likely are in two weeks, I think that I was also wrong in assuming how how much earnings was not going to be weighted. And I thought people were going to still be hyper-focused on the rate hikes. And I just don't think they care anymore because I think they are understanding a quarter of a percent really is not going to do much from where we are and, and where we will be in 15 days. Mm-hmm. Um, half a percent, three quarters of a percent, that's a little bit more of a, a, a tearjerker. But I just don't think people. I just don't think people. I don't think the economy cares, and it's showing it today. Because I mean, I, I, every indicator, you know, everybody's probably like, "Wow, how the hell Ryan missed this one?" Yeah, yeah, you gotta be brave sometimes. <laughs> um, but every indicator is pointing that there should be a, a, a hike. Are there things beyond policy right now, culturally, war, you know, more on? I guess more on the economic side of the market, right? That's that's a world that you guys are paying a lot of attention to. But are 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 there other things happening right now that are trending in a concerning direction that the market is baking into and already considering, or are there things that you think maybe not getting factored in right now that could pose a future issue? Sure. I mean, there's always the geopolitical risk, especially with what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. So there's a false flag warning from both sides about them blowing up the nuclear plant there and uh, U.S. sending cluster munitions over to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, the Perugsnia or whatever guy not going to Belarus with his troops and now he's kind of on the hide. So, you know, I, I really don't, you know, anything can happen. I think that people have kind of come to grips with that situation a little bit more and obviously anything that's extreme could shake the market. I think it would be quickly shrugged off though. Yeah. Uh, China, Taiwan, that'd be a big thing that could probably scare people if that kind of broke off and things like happened there. Um the BRICS. Um, yeah, I saw they're moving to the gold standard. Yeah, but 
<laughs> who's the who's the number one reserver of gold in the whole world? Us, the United States, by yep. like a long shot. Yeah, like a not even close long shot. Um, so that's just kind of a bass backwards. It's really, oh, okay, so you're going to drive the value of gold up. Yeah. Great. You're going to make the United States money, which will make our currency <laughs> worth a lot of money. So it, it just doesn't, it doesn't, so they would just devalue their currency to trade against the dollar. All developed countries are going to still trade in the U.S. dollar. I yeah. mean, it just doesn't matter. So I, I, I saw this really fun acronym for BRICS, and it was <laughs> like, I forget what it was, but it was kind of like to the, to the uh, tune of essentially, oh, look, the economy, the, the leaders of these economies are all illegitimate. Half of them aren't legitimately voted in, and they all manipulate their currency and have a runaway inflation. Sounds like a great idea to take financial advice from them. Right. So like I said, it's an absolute, it won't happen in my, in my world. I don't see it happening. I just don't see it. I think it's going to be a lot of talk and like zero walk, just mm-hmm. like this reparations thing, which crickets yeah uh the reason why i brought that up is because somebody had kind of talked about the boiling uh, frog syndrome and but it's but it's for those that aren't aware of what that is somebody said america's suffering from the boiling frog syndrome the idea is that if the frog is suddenly put into boiling water it'll jump out but if the frog is put into lukewarm water which then is brought to a boil slowly it will not see the danger until it's cooked to death. In other words, small, gradual, hard-to-detect changes accepted by a tolerant majority can eventually destroy a nation with great ideas. Is America, is our economy, is our stock market, is our real estate potentially at risk of the boiling frog syndrome? I think that's more of a right a, a brainstorming mastermind debate session than there being a hard, steadfast evidence that this is happening. Mm-hmm. But I'm just curious on your perspective around that and how that could potentially... I see in certain areas of culture and society and industry and policy this being applicable, but to the point where I think, you know, it's a pretty doomsday-ish statement to think that America is yeah. going to see and meet its downfall because of these things happening, which is why we have these checks and balances in place in the different sectors of our economy. That being said, I'm just curious if anything comes to mind that you're overly concerned about or thinking about or paying attention to that could be the boiling frog syndrome when it comes to your world. Um, no, I, I, don't, I don't see, I really don't see anything like that. I think there's always doomsdayers. Robert Kiyosaki makes a living off of it. Um, and he's never right. It's just people just don't care, and it's just easier to be wrong in the in calling the 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 negative than it is to be wrong calling the positive. And people always choose the easier road. Um, so I am here today, wrong calling the positive. But you have to you have to look for the positive. You have to look for the light to find the goodness and stuff, right? So to yep. to constantly be negative or pessimistic is not going to make you successful. Um, I am a permable proud of it. I look for opportunity when there's, when people are not looking for it. And that's, I mean, very successful people run with that mentality. They do not ever think that it's a bad time to stop doing stuff. They don't get scared with their money. They don't get scared with their ideas. They have a process and it's proven and they put it to work. 
Um, so I, I try to do the same thing. In my world, I just don't see anything <clears throat> like that happening. I think bricks is a joke. Um, it's just like, I mean, what is South Africa? Only thing I know about South Africa recently is Duplessis won that last fight this <laughs> on Saturday and was great to watch. It was weird after with the whole that was Adesanya well. thing. I was like, you see the memes is like, say it as many times as you can. <laughs> he can't say anything back. I just, that was so weird. Sorry to go off on a tangent, y'all. But anyway, I don't see anything like that. I just, there's no, nothing to me that's going to throw that off. Um, it's like the same, you know, as serious as there was supposed to be an ice age right now. If you listen to the people back in the 70s, it's like that kind of crap. Yeah. I think what's interesting right now is with there being so much technology and so much transition over the last decade with how it's been integrated into different industries and sectors, I'm curious in correlating how that impacts people's ability to build wealth. Right now, it feels like it's easier than ever to make money, to build wealth. And yet I saw a staggering statistic the other day that millennials hold 4.8% of all wealth there are now 40-year-old millennials at the, the oldest. At the same age, Gen X had 9% of all wealth and boomers at the same age had 21% of all wealth. Why do millennials hold less wealth now and today versus back then when it seems like it's easier to build and generate wealth and be more financially savvy and sharp at making money? I just think there's just more people. Mm. Yeah, population increase, if you compare, is probably doubled over that period of time. Probably. Which is why it's probably halved. Um, so I, would, I, would, I don't know if that's um, like adjusted data, but definitely population has gone up. Um, there was more of a black and white way of doing things a long time ago. I mean, you definitely couldn't wake up and be a freaking kitten or be a man to claim to be a woman, like that that didn't exist. Things were just, I know this sounds cliche, but things were just simpler back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you invested. A lot of the money was, um, uh, a lot of that money is represented by pensions. And the 401k was a good and bad thing because it offset uh, the responsibility for your company to set money aside for you and pay you and it put that on to you and then if you did it they would contribute a percentage but it was mainly up to you and you could opt out of it um, yeah I just think that kind of stuff is, is kind of what's baking into that data now that being said I would also argue that there's more in the last five years there's more people interested in investing personally than there had been in the last maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 years mm-hmm. because people just didn't have the wherewithal to do it. But then COVID happened and people sat down and they saw the stock market moving and they had this free money. And so people figured it out. And just like if you bring, you know, you bring somebody that's never been to the casino to the casino one time and they went on a slot once, they will be back. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, just gambling. I think it's also... Uh, side effect of there being more ways to make money now that people are overcomplicating things and going back to kind of the sentiment that you and I believe, which is, you know, keep it simple, stupid. 
have a very simple, boring plan that you know historically has worked over the history of making money. Nowadays, people kind of steer away from the boring and go and look at the shiny and the sexy. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, this is a perfect example. Millennials are the largest generation in history and they have become the most educated and the most enlightened beings on the planet. And yet some of, and I'm not calling any of the older generation stupid, but what I'm saying is they didn't have a whole lot of options. They didn't have a lot of access or resources to be so enlightened, to be so educated, but they did have a path and a plan that was pretty simple and if you followed the plan consistently over an extended period of time, not saying it was foolproof, but if you did it properly, you ended up much further ahead than most people who didn't. And nowadays, I feel like there's a million different plans and options for people to follow when really the boring still works. Yeah, the, um, there was a report, it's called the Dal Bar Report. And it specifically has to do with like investing, like in the stock market. (coughs) But it highlights why investors tend to have subpar returns compared to just like indexing or using an advisor. And the main reason is that they don't know what they're doing and they overthink and they end up making bad decisions. And that comes out in their rates of return. So I think it was saying that like the average investor gets about a 3.5% rate of return long-term because of missed opportunity, because if you take inflation into it and you take taxes out and everything, that's their net kind of rate of return. And that's just subpar because they don't know what they're doing, but maybe they're too stubborn to try to figure it out or let somebody else take the reins. Yeah. Very interesting. Something I think to be said for that though is, you know, going back to keep it simple, stupid, Yep. have a very clear outcome of what you're looking to achieve and by when there's always a plan. You know, one of my mentors always told me, there's a math equation to solve every financial goal. It's an exact science. It, it really is. And so if you can get clear on what that outcome is and very clear of what that formula and plan looks like and be consistent enough to just execute on it over time, as boring as it can be, at least have one of those foundational plans for your finances that will get you further ahead than where you're at today and then allocate you know, a certain amount of play money or risk money that you feel comfortable being okay with losing or getting distracted with. But don't take your eye off of the most important thing, which is a consistent cash flow wheel that if you follow will produce results. Agreed. Yeah. It's, um, you don't got to have vanilla ice cream. We're not saying that by any means. No. But you don't gotta go crazy and, and do the, a lot of the stuff that people, you know, it doesn't, it just doesn't work. I just, with some exceptions, I mean, it's a, such an easy to figure it out. I mean, if somebody says they're rich and they're selling you a fucking course, they're not rich. And I mean, like, if it's like, hey, here's $100 and I'll teach you the secrets to real estate investing, they're not gonna teach <laughs> you the secrets to real It's just not gonna happen. Um, there's Forex, there's all sorts of scams. Just people get get distracted with BS. I people ask me all the time, oh, you must have some you know, stuff that only rich food. I say, I got ETFs, a couple of them, and a few stocks, and I just keep smacking them down. That's all I do. I keep buying and buying and buying and buying and buying and buying and buying. And as long as I keep doing that, my accounts will keep going up. Sometimes they go down, most of the time they go up. If you buy keep buying real estate, if you buy one property per year you'd probably be pretty successful in 10 years, right? Yeah. 
Or if you could figure out how to do 10 a year for five years. Yep. You know, it's, it's not more complicated than that. Just no. people try to be perfect. They're afraid of no. They're afraid of failure. And they're too hyper-focused on only being successful when successful people are, are, are failures that we're not afraid to continue to fail into success or fail forward. Mm. So, Speaking of stocks, I want to get your take on a couple stocks that have had some interesting uh, news around them recently. So the big one, Twitter and Meta, yeah. with the new threads. Twitter had 237 million users as of July 2022. Yep. Meta threads just broke 100 million users in six days. Are there any concerns for Twitter? Are there any new bullish sentiments around Meta? And what are your thoughts around how kind of this what Gary Vee called Clone Wars, which I thought was really interesting. You know, a lot of these big platforms, Snap, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, you know, some of these large, large platforms, essentially all Meta did was show that you can clone another platform's infrastructure and essentially port all of those users within your own ecosystem right into a new platform relatively easily and just take more market share from a very similar mirrored type of model. Yeah. Is that something we're going to see more of? Are you guys paying attention to that on certain stocks or companies? And are there any concerns around certain companies completely falling off? What are your just thoughts on that topic as a whole? Well, Twitter being privately traded, that one, privately owned, excuse me, yep. that one is kind of off the table as far as, far as is they're going to be, they may have lost a revenue or whatever. Right. Um, I do think they have a leg to stand on in saying like, hey, we laid off 70% of our developers. We know their names. We can make you give us a list of your employees. We can get that census from you and we can compare it to our old employees. And a lot of them are going to line up. And we know that, you know, they said we know they still have hardware that we still haven't got back from them. We know that they're on NDAs that they're probably not holding up to. It's going to be easy to prove it in court. So you just need to stop. Obviously, they're not going to stop, so Twitter is going to sue mm -hmm. Facebook. My guess is it will be after the cage fight when they file suit. You still think it's going to go down? You think that cage fight's going down? Oh, yeah. He's, he's quote, said Zuckerberg's a cuck, end quote. Yeah, he wanted to do a dick measuring contest as well. Like he publicly put that out there. I was like, Elon must be packing if he's Elon, if he's starting. He's starting to throw out some real Elon bonds is now. Throwing, Elon's like, throwing Man, some fuck heat. all this, you know, balance sheet measuring. Let's just well, let's just throw the nuts on the table. Some, he put out some good stuff. He was like, I mean, you stole Facebook from the Winklevoss twins. You stole Reels from Instagram and or excuse me from TikTok and Snapchat. Mm -hmm. um, stories from Snapchat. Mm -hmm. So I just, it, it's like you don't have any original products. You just copy everything. And the one product that they did make that was original has not done really anything yet, which is the metaverse. Yeah. I honestly got think there's eight active members in the metaverse, <laughs> like less than on your hand. Like you put on two hands. Not kidding you. So, and they spent like a lot mm -hmm. of money on that. Hundreds of billions. Um, or plan to, excuse me. So... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, are we worried about that? No, we st we definitely still hold Meta. Still believe in Meta. Still believe in Twitter. Their ad revenue. Well, Twitter, you can't actually. Right? Yeah, ad revenue is just 
doing very well. It still tends to do very well. Uh, ad revenue that was being hurt would be from like Google. So Google's ad revenue has done a little bit sloppy uh, recently. Um, ChatGPT uh, saw its first monthly uh, decline in uh, user traffic of about 9.6%. So we're keeping an eye on that. Um, but yeah, no, nothing, nothing really in that space. That doesn't really concern us. I want to see, I would love to see Mark Zuckerberg lose to Elon Musk though. I, I would like to see that as well. And right now I think Zuck's got him on skills and technicality and training and shape, but I would love to see Elon's my dude. I'd like to yeah. see him whoop up on Zuckerberg, but I all I know is if that's going down in the Coliseum, we're getting two first class tickets first out class. there. Now talking about another giant, which could potentially be the next $3 trillion giant, had some positive news around them today. I'm just MFST. curious on... MSFT, Microsoft could be the next stock to reach the $3 trillion mark. They got approved and beat their FTC case to essentially buy Activision and that being kind of a big puzzle piece in their growth plan. What are your thoughts on Microsoft and kind of their future as a a whole and another Goliath in the, the trillion dollar mark space? Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, This is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. I definitely think that Microsoft is a quality company. Uh, we also own them, uh, quite a bit of them. And um, for my clients, and I, f- I think they're always going to be a player. Yeah, their name is so ingrained. It's almost like yeah, it really is. I don't know, you know, I don't. They have a they have a, such a high goodwill value to their name. Like a trust, even though you know people don't like Bill Gates, but he's not really Microsoft anymore. Microsoft yeah. it's, was his, and he's not really involved with it anymore. He just owns a bunch of the stock. So, um, yeah, I think Microsoft is going to be good. I'm seeing a ton of stuff rolling out with um, AI and real estate. So there's lots of cool stuff around the corner. Yeah, and it continues to innovate. And again, that's why I'm always bullish on the U.S. and the U.S. consumer. 
real estate is cooling but stable as always. Um, CoreLogic just put out their uh, U.S. annual home price index, which actually shows the growth drops to the lowest rate in 11 years in May. Wow. Uh, which I think is honestly it's <laughs> long overdue. Yeah. Uh, if you're a buyer, that that makes you somewhat happy, and yet there's still data that shows values really aren't pulling back as much as most people would like. Annual U.S. single-family home price growth slowed for the 12th straight month in May, falling to 1.4 percent mm. increase year over year. So again, we're still up. It's just not growing at the rate that it was. Uh, it was mm-hmm. last time CoreLogic's home price index saw annual growth rate fall to less than two percent was in early 2012, but U.S. appreciation still remained positive for the 12 years, almost 12 years. Holy cannoli. The 136th straight month in May. So 136 straight months of home price appreciation, if you can believe that. Now, obviously, the big... Nine months longer than the longest bull market run, which was 2019. Which is crazy, right? 2010, 2019. So if you've been sitting in real estate... It's been a pretty damn good vehicle for preserving and generating wealth growth and accumulation. Better in the last five years than the, than the prior seven yep. years before then. Agreed. But the last five years has been pretty crazy, especially the last, I, you know, I keep saying this, especially the last three. Yep. And in those three, the last two, I'm just kidding. Now, talking about some new records that may not be as yeah. exciting for... Uh, borrowers is rates and affordability. Mm-hmm. So rates remain over 7% despite a mo- modest improvement this last week, but the 30-year mortgage rate has hit a new decade high at 7.38% of 23 oh basis points goodness. since last week. This is per bank rate. And you know we haven't been much higher than this in more than 20 years if you go back and look at the data. And so the challenge right now that a lot of people are experiencing, and this is a new record as of this latest decade high rate currently on a 30-year mortgage, is the national payment to income ratio um, has increased to a record high. Mm. After a modest improvement in early 2023, home affordability has worsened in recent months fueled by both rising home prices and rising interest rates. And you're seeing a lot of people this number is pretty wild. Factoring in current income levels on average, that means that 36% of the median household income, more than a third of the median household income is needing to be allocated to pay the monthly payment of a medium priced home right now, making June the second least affordable month in the past 37 years for real estate homeowners. That's pretty challenging yeah. when you think about, you know, again, if you're not in the top 5% of the U.S., even if you are middle class, you know, 36% of your monthly household income going towards just shelter and keeping that, there's not a whole, you better be pretty damn good at budgeting and thinking That's about how you're so allocating much. funds and what you're spending your money and your time on and how you're saving it, how you're investing in it. So I think now more than ever, it's just showing that it's still a challenging market. Mm-hmm. There's still opportunity out there. But if anything, my takeaway is you need to be that much more skilled of a sailor yep. in terms of directing exactly and, and guiding your ship to go where you want it to go and being extremely attentive and intentional and adaptive 
in order to make sure that you're keeping the ship corded to the right direction that you want to be moving in it. You've been hitting the scooters over the weekend? (laughs) Corded? (laughs) I was hanging out with you over the weekend. I was over here sailing. Must have had a couple wet woodies. Now, inventory decreased this last week. Very Mm -hmm. small. Slight decrease, 0.2% week over week, down 4.6% year over year, down 51% compared to the same week in 2019 pre-pandemic. Uh, new listings, which obviously is a measure of sellers putting homes up for sale, was down again this last week by 21% from one year ago. So we're still seeing limited supply. Yeah. Demand is obviously now being curbed a little bit more. People are still trying to be... Until interest rates get down, there's, there's going to be a supply issue. Yep. There's no doubt about it. And the funniest part is the highest, higher interest rates go up, the more it's going to compound that because it's going to it's going to drive uh, housing prices up. Yeah, I continue to wonder if this cycle of the market and this, I guess, cycle of culture when it comes to millennials and being a little bit more nomadic and not being as bought into the, you know, two kids, white picket fence around your house, you know, different mentality of how the American dream looks if we will continue to move in more of a renter's nation mentality versus a home ownership nation mentality. I saw a pretty staggering statistic. Institutional investors may control 40% of U.S. single-family rented homes by 2030, according to MetLife Investment Management. We've seen the Black Rocks of the world and other big institutional-level funds come in and swoop up a significant amount of homes over the last two decades-ish, particularly the last you know 10 to 15 years. And I'm curious to see what that trend looks like. I'm curious for you listening right now, are you more of a renter's camp mindset and being a little bit more nomadic and reinvesting your dollars and your wealth focus in other things outside of a house and a stable place of shelter, or do you still believe in home ownership being a path for building wealth and a vehicle for creating security and you know financial freedom in the future? Let us know what your thoughts are. Uh, 844-447-1555. Would be curious about that because I think um, that could create some challenges and some really great opportunities depending on what your mindset might look like. But I still think two most and three most proven vehicles on the planet for building wealth. And it's not going to change stock market businesses and real estate. And if you've got some level of focus, energy, attention, resources allocated to that, and you're disciplined and got a great plan and a great team, and you're willing to exercise that consistency, one of those three, if not a combination holistically of all of those three are going to unlock financial freedom for you at some point. Yeah, I agree. It's not hard to win when you use the basics and you just keep stacking them, let compounding interest work in your favor. Yep. So with that being said, we appreciate you guys tuning in today. Don't forget to check out millionermindcast.com for all the links, resources, show notes, products and tools that we got available for you guys. You can take advantage of your free financial x-ray with Ryan and his amazing team by texting the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. If you're an accredited investor, you want to get on my deals list, text the word deals to that same phone number. With that being said, guys, we continue to grow and reach 
you know, new audiences, new ears, new markets because of all the amazing listeners and people who support us. Um, and those reviews go a long way. So if you don't mind taking two minutes to leave us a review, share this with a friend, a family member, continue to support the show. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Money Moves. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. And if you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're going to get entered into win a $100 gift card. Also, don't forget to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio. And to do so, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. What we have found by offering this out is most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective, or really, in most cases, overcharged and whether or not their current investment and financial plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish. And this is something that Ryan and his amazing team do for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that. Again, that's x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you're an accredited investor and you're not on my deals list, be sure to text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555 to be notified of the private investment offerings my team and I put out. And last, don't forget to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family at MillionaireMindcast.com. Whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, calculators, the Rich Life Planner for those looking to take their goal setting and productivity to the next level. We've got all kinds of great and valuable tools available at MillionaireMindcast.com. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.